The Nonprofit Hour, a weekly look at Portland's nonprofits and do-gooders, with interviews, profiles, and documentaries. You're listening to The Nonprofit Hour on xray.fm, brought to you by the Media Institute for Social Change, a public interest media lab working to inspire, empower, and engage emerging media producers. I'm Henry Leisha. On today's show, we will learn about two groups that help maximize the impact of nonprofit work by connecting volunteers and donors to organizations that they care about. First, we will speak with 99 Girlfriends, a group of women from Oregon and Southwest Washington working to maximize the impact of their charitable donations through collective giving. Every year, the organization combines individual $1,000 donations from each of their members to create a $100,000 grant. Members then work together to find a local nonprofit that will be able to make the biggest impact using the grant. Next, we will learn about Golden, a free mobile app that connects volunteers to meaningful work and allows nonprofits to easily manage and record data about their volunteer activities. Through their easy-to-use interface, Golden is reducing the barriers to participate in meaningful service and increasing the efficiency of volunteer efforts. Now, we turn to our host, Phil Bussey. This is the Nonprofit Hour on X-Ray FM. This is Phil Bussey. I have a group of three women who make up one thirty-third of 99 Girlfriends, which is a newly formed organization in Portland, and they are working to change the world. Good morning to you, or hello to you all. Good morning. Good morning. Hi. Um, let's, I just want to start. I've, I have three of you in the studio, so this may get a little bit confusing. Uh, Jinx Faulkner, Deborah Edward, and Brittany Daggett, and they are co-founders, leading, organization, leading the organization. Uh, they have sort of stepped away from giving me formal titles um 99 girlfriends what what what's your sales pitch on it your sales pitch um we are a collective group of women that have come together um to form um we have a, a common uh how do i say this a common intent <laughs> of doing good in our region and um giving back and grant making, I guess. And so what we've done is we've said together we can do more than individually doing grant making or philanthropy on our own. And so what we're doing is bringing women together who have the commitment to change the community and strengthen the community um, and find ways that we can learn from one another, learn about the community, and most importantly, pool our money to make a couple of really large high-impact grants to nonprofits doing good work to make our community better. Yeah, it's, it's such a cool idea, and it's, and it's really fun to have watched over, it's been a year mm -hmm. or so, to, to watch a, an, an idea take form, and you guys have given out, I mean, six figures at this point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's incredibly impressive. Mm -hmm. You know, I think I think people think of foundations as being around for uh, a long time and, and being founded often by one wealthy philanthropist. And instead, you guys have. Well, I want to pause here and this is going to be my one hard hitting question. I'm going to blow the lid off your organization. You guys call yourself 99 Girlfriends, but it's really more. We had 117 members our first year which means we gave away 117,000 um, and we hope to grow to 200 this year. Is that a branding problem? <laughs> <laughs> we love the idea of 99 Girlfriends being uh, a way of saying, when you join a group of collective giving women, um, you end up getting 99 new girlfriends. And there may be 117 girlfriends, but you only get to meet 99 because that's how you've run into. We uh, shared our, our name when we went to a conference our first year where 46 other groups are doing collective grant making by women. And they loved it. They thought it was the best name ever. They're all called like Impact 100 Philly or Impact Austin or whatever. Um, but we, we've also had some challenges because, yeah, you're right. It's going to be more than 99. It already is. Let's, I, want, I want to take a step back and, and get into the origin story. 
how did was this two two of you talking at 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 a at, at a function together? What 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 inspired this group to come together? You nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I'm Deborah. I'm from. I'm a New Yorker because New Yorkers complain, and I lived 40 years in Texas, and Texas has very strong women, at least in Austin, we have very strong women. Um, and I was up here, I'd been up here a couple of years, and I was at a party um, of women that hadn't known each other, but we were all invited to speak together because we'd been speaking to a group of younger women about how our careers went. And I ran into somebody in the kitchen, happened to be Eileen Brady, and I said, what's going on? Why don't we have the kind of philanthropy in this town that I've seen other places. You know, here's an example of what we did in Austin. And I talked about Impact Austin, where 100 women the first year got together, gave one grant, and within five years they had 500 women, and they were giving five $100,000 grants. And I was just complaining, but Eileen said, well, we can do that, no big deal. And within, you know, 20 minutes, all sorts of women in the kitchen hearing our story put our hands together and said, we're gonna make it happen. And and. How did you then recruit from that first group? What, how, what was the process of reaching out to people? And right, it's friends inviting friends, and so that's really how it started, and that's how it's grown, and how we are going to continue to grow is bringing our friends together um, and growing in that way. Yeah, let's let's talk through that process then. Uh, so, so um, somebody new wants to join, and they give a thousand dollars. They give $1,100, so we have a little bit of money to be able to do the work that needs to be done. But $1,000 goes into that pooled giving grant fund. Is there, is there a vetting process? Everybody's welcome? Everybody's welcome. Everybody's welcome. Okay. Well, you have to be a, a woman. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. And you have to be, in some ways, connected to the Portland region. You don't have to live in the Portland region, but that's where our funding is focused, and that's where we want to make sure people know that that's, it's about that. So as long as your heart's in Portland. Yep, somehow or another. We, we give in the four county area. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then once once the money has been pooled, is there a one voting process? Uh, how 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 is that? How are organizations presented to the group, and what how does the voting happen? We invite nonprofits, invite yes. either people that are known by our members or a large community of nonprofits. We invite them to give us a big bold idea, uh, let them know what our process is. And last year we got 120 yeah. um, letters with ideas about what they could do with $100,000 that would make a difference in our community. Mm-hmm. And, and someone needs to be a 501c3? Correct. Yes. Okay. And I think it's important, we had we collectively decided that there's five categories that we wanted to receive um, you know, requests for grants for, and those were health and wellness, education, arts and culture, family, and environment. And environment. And so they kind of went into those categories. And women, um, everyone had an option to sign up to be as part of a grant. And then that's where the selection process began and the real work. So what they did was we had the 120 letters. And then these grant review teams picked um, three different projects from each of those five focus areas and said, write a full proposal. And then those were the proposals that were reviewed uh, in terms of their finances, their site visits, and ultimately five projects were presented to the whole membership in this wonderful meeting that we had at Artist Repertory Theater. And after that, everybody got one vote, and the top vote winner got $100,000. This is the Nonprofit Hour. We are on X-Ray FM. I am in the studio with uh, three women, Deborah Edward, Jinx Faulkner, and Brittany Daggett, and they are leadership team for 99 Girlfriends. Uh, New organization. I can still say new, right? Oh, yeah. Still has that new car smell. <laughs> Definitely. And what they do is is uh, it's more than 99 people. They, they uh, bring together a group of women in Portland to contribute to nonprofits. And now, now that you guys are uh, through the first cycle of giving, um, what? how are you moving into this next cycle? You had 120 applications, which is a huge number. Is there a concern that you're going to get too big, too popular? One day at a time. <laughs> I mean, I think uh, 200 seems very doable. 500 might be a different issue, but that would probably take us several years to get there. Um, it's exciting. I think the relationship that's growing and developing between the nonprofits and us and among the nonprofits themselves is really um, 
one of the most exciting pieces. Everyone's talking together and learning from each other. It's a huge learning environment. Yeah, I, I mean, I would imagine also with 120 applications, letters of intent, uh, you learned a lot about Portland. Yeah, <clears throat> it was fascinating to see what kinds of things were bubbling up last year. And we imagine that a lot of different things will bubble up this year. Uh, yes, there's been a couple changes <laughs> in, in the uh, environment. Um, looking back to last year, were there some themes that emerged uh, in terms of what services were being provided or what interest or what concerns that nonprofits had? No, we, we learned about a, a giving model, 1.0, 2.0, 3.0, 1.0 being direct needs, 2.0. Can never describe advancing it. people's ability to make a better life for themselves mm -hmm. and 3.0 social change systems change systems, systems change, change. Um, and started looking at them through that lens which was very helpful um, to think about how we normally give and how we would like to give yeah no, I, I want to talk about that a little bit but what is each of yours history with with giving and how has this year working with 99 girlfriends changed how you think about giving? I've always given a little bit to a lot of different organizations um, and felt good about that. This was an opportunity to give a larger amount and make it even larger with my group of girlfriends. So you just feel like your impact is bigger. I really can see the change. And so I think from that point, it was did your was 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 your your were your parents um, people that were charitable? Did, is this something that you grew up in? Yeah, my parents came from education, um, and we were always supporting. Um, what's the organization where you, as a kid, um, where you take uh, an ornament off a tree and you 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 know help out a family at Christmas? So that's just kind of been in my. DNA, I guess. And, you know, I'm, I'm always looking for ways to help with kids and families and our school district and um, things that are important to me. And so this was a this was a really not only did did I feel like my impact was larger and I could really focus in on that, but it was a way to meet people and really find out what the needs are in our region. I didn't know. I was very surprised when we got all those letters of intent and what, what actually came to be our finalists. It wasn't what I thought initially. So it, that's been exciting. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and on we've been on the air now for uh, three plus years and we have interviewed more than 100 nonprofits. And it is it is really surprising when you look out there how many organizations are doing incredible work in Portland, mm -hmm. and, and and sorry for you guys for the really for the region. Um, I mean, but you guys have a real like a really amazing window mm -hmm. on what's going on. Uh, Deborah, what's what's been your experience with with giving? How did you do? You remember the first time that you gave to an organization? Well, I've been a nonprofiteer most of my life, so I've given money um, as a grown up. But as a little kid, I was the kind of person that would create stationery that I would sell and then give the money to a program with kids that had problems because my mom wanted us to do that. So it was a part of our life. What's exciting about being part of Ninety Nine Girlfriends? is that I look at stuff that I would not look at normally in my philanthropic portfolio. I mean, I have a whole set of things that I always care about, but being part of 99 Girlfriends, I learned about a whole lot of other things that would not be on my radar at all and start giving money in a way that's really different than what I do in my own personal giving. That is that is exciting to, to sort of be challenged and expand your horizons. Mm -hmm. And Jinx, where did where did your giving? I know you have a background with with uh, giving time and the Peace Corps. And mm -hmm. uh, where where does that come from? Where does that inspiration come from for you? I guess my grandmother, who's a missionary in Africa, I just always uh, the model for me of just going out and giving and getting involved has always been huge. Um, I think the funny thing is this year, my husband and I have always given, but this is the first year because of 99 Girlfriends, we sat down with a spreadsheet and organized our thinking and our giving. Mm -hmm. And it was so helpful. It was so fun, actually. So, And it's and it's also interesting. I mean, your organization, I see having some uh, companionship with Willamette Week's Give Guide, mm -hmm. um, which certainly has done a remarkable and profound job, really, of, of helping design or create a culture of giving in Portland. 
Are you finding that the women that are attracted to your organization are already givers or are they looking to develop this in their life? You know, one of the things that we notice is that people are already givers, but they're not deliberate, informed givers. They tend to give because someone invited them to a luncheon or because they've been giving to their alma mater. And there are a couple of people that are uh, running family foundations, have the capacity to give through their foundations, but the foundations are very focused. Um, we're beginning to get younger women that are interested in starting a giving process, and that's really exciting for us. So everyone's in a different path in their life. I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would agree. And people want to be more involved in their giving. They want to talk it through and and do the site visits and um, be more hands-on. That's a big piece of it. And then once once uh, 99 Girlfriends gives out its uh, grants, I can call them grants, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. Once once uh, you guys have given your grants, is there follow-up? What What is the accountability for the organization? Oh, yeah. There's not only follow-up, there's an opportunity for um, the grantee partner to invite us to become members of their board or active in other ways. Um, we schedule an open house sometime in the course of the year where our, our members can go find out what's really going on and really be there on the ground because we do love doing that. Mm -hmm. um, and we have an impact committee that will help find a way to tell the story about how our money made a difference. Let's take another music break and then I want to come back and hear about the organizations that uh, 99 Girlfriends did give its money to for the 20, for its first inaugural 2016 year and, and talk about uh, how that process starts again. Jinx, you have another song for us. Yes, I do. Uh, Jimmy Cliff, The World Upside Down, because I think we would all agree the world is upside down right now. Um, but he speaks in such beautiful universal terms which I think we appreciate at 99 Girlfriends um, because even though we're a nonpartisan group, we have values of basic dignity and respect and love, and that's important. Jimmy Cliff. That was the great Jimmy Cliff. This is Phil Bussey. It's the Nonprofit Hour on X-Ray FM. I am talking with three of the 99 Girlfriends, which is a year-old giving organization here in Portland. And they uh, wrapped up back in, was that November? Back in November of last year, uh, the first cycle of giving. It's an amazing organization. Uh, 99 plus girlfriends, women in Portland area are giving a thousand plus dollars each and then that money is given out to local organizations that are that are in five categories uh let me see if i can get these right arts and culture mm -hmm. education environment family human services and health and wellness okay. uh, you guys didn't really miss anything and organizations write a letter of intent they had about 120 that wrote last year uh, explaining why they were deserving of the giving. And of those, that was narrowed down to three in each category. And then each of the categories, uh, there was one, can we call it the grand prize winner? What, 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 what is the title? Well, there were the finalists in each category. Mm -hmm. And then there was the Impact Award winner that got the $100,000 grant. And everybody else, all the other finalists got a little bit of money too. And so by, by calling it the Impact Award winner, I am assuming that uh, impact is a word that's uh, underscored twice or three times, and that's part of that's a, a driving force of the criteria. Yes, the average size of a grant in this area for a small nonprofit is it's lower than a hundred thousand. Say that, um, and this is big for our region, and it's hard to get that amount of money for a small nonprofit that really allows them to do something big. 
And so, so I guess I was, I was a little bit mistaken then because I was thinking, so it's impact onto or for the nonprofit. Yeah. Are, are you measuring how, what is the criteria that you're using, using to measure the nonprofits then? So they define their own impact measurements because we really do trust that the nonprofit partners know what they're doing. Uh, and it, the impact baby is <coughs> always more than the number of people served. It's something that really shows how people have changed or our system of change has changed. So, you know, for example, um, when you think about impact, it's not just somebody's ready for college. Do they graduate from college? Do they get a job? Is their standard of living different than it was? And some of that impact is harder to, to measure if you're looking at just a two-year grant. Uh, so we we really asked them to tell us how they want to define impact. For us, it's making a difference that we can see. And it's, and it's such a democratic process. So the finalists are, are invited in, and this year was at the Artist Repertoire Theater. Yeah. And they're invited in, and they make a truly on-stage presentation. And uh, t talk to me about that a little bit. How, how were the presentations given? I mean, was this a PowerPoint presentation? Was this speaking from the heart? How, how was it given and, and what seemed to resonate most with the, uh, the, the 99 girlfriends? There was a little pre-work done in terms of all everyone, all the 99 girlfriends um, had uh, kind of a condensed version of of what each finalist was about and what they were requesting. And then I think we were they were all given seven minutes. Is that right? Maybe six, something so, short. Yeah, it was very short because we, you know, we, we don't have a lot of time. We're all moms and we work. And and so uh, there was some someone who represented them from each of the committees that came up and gave a quick introduction of why they were chosen and a little bit about them. And then the finalists were then literally from their heart and maybe a little bit of putting together told us about themselves and why they um, wanted the, wanted the grant. It was great. And there were no PowerPoints. We didn't want anything to influence no. influence us except for their Even stories. Grand. And could you sense in the group when when what was working uh, best? I mean, could you sense which, which presentations were really hitting the chords? I, I remember going home and sending a text message to Eileen Brady and saying, can't we find 100,000 for all of them. <laughs> Seriously, it was hard. It was really hard. She said, someday. <laughs> and that was one case where the nonprofits who weren't presenting were sitting on the side watching their uh, colleagues, the other nonprofits, present, and afterwards said, we've never had that opportunity before. And this was really instructive to us to hear other people's ideas up close and personal. So that's something else that's different about 99 Girlfriends. I mean, truly different, you know, as my organization has, has applied for grants many times, and it is a very black box uh, process. You, you send in your letter of intent, you maybe get a response back, you send in your full grant, and then you get a, a letter back saying yes or no. And there, there sometimes is interaction, but certainly not uh, open in, the, in this sort of way. That's, that is very fun. And, it, and you're right, it is really building the community in that way. So the Circus Project was the big winner. No. Oh, I'm sorry. Let's circus Project was a great finalist. Okay. Wonderful. So you had five five finalists in each of the categories. The Circus Project was one of those. And uh, can you talk about what what the who the Circus Project is and why you feel like your group thought it was deserving? Um, we had a lot of really great examples of ways that groups in town wanted to directly focus on underserved kids and families. And Circus Project had a, they, they're an aerial arts program and they are in the arts and culture area, but what they were doing was saying, we wanna help at-risk kids use our aerial arts to increase their self-esteem and their kind of ability to feel strong and proud. And it was a lovely project and it was delightful to hear and understand what they do. Who was who was the big winner? The big winner was um, well Gateway to College, but but Bri PDX Bridge, which is a section of Gateway to College. This is a group that has been doing a lot of work to get um, at-risk kids ready for school for college, and they created a collaboration among a lot of groups in the area, and they're focusing on using our money to help get foster kids, incarcerated kids, and homeless kids through the system. And what was lovely was when we did present that award to them at our big awards dinner, uh, one of the um, 
graduates of their program came and spoke, and she was just amazing, telling what it was like to live the way she was living as a as a child with a lot of really hard things, living in cars, lots of family issues, and how everybody that was working in this program found a way to make sure that everything that she needed to get done got done. If she didn't have a computer to type her materials, they would give her the computer, they would lend her the computer, they would take her places, and that what she saw was that the people that were really caring about her were doing it not just as a case management checkoff, but direct, everyday, how are you doing, what do you need? And her story just brought us to tears, and we really are excited about it. And at the end of the evening, someone chose to sponsor her to be a member of 99 Girlfriend for this coming year, which is fabulous. I just heard from her last night. Her name is Erica Potts, and she's so excited and ready to be involved, which is really great. That is. That is. That's very nice. Like, a, a comes full cycle then. Mm-hmm. And what, what is that money? So $100,000. That's, I mean, that's a really <coughs> major grant to be giving. Yeah. What is that money? Is that earmarked for anything? Is that general funds for them? So, I mean, I my understanding is that it provides a mentorship for each enrollee that gets accepted that follows them through college, through their four years, and like you said, gives them supplies and computers and really helps them because after the, you know, foster kids come out of the foster care program at 18, there's nothing going beyond. So this is giving those kids and four, four more years of mentorship. And the grant is for two years, so they're using the money to help build this network and this kind of social fabric with a lot of other collaborators so that after two years, they'll have what they need to be able to be continuing this program over time. And there are a lot of, I think, 100, 150 uh, students are planned to be part of the program in that first two years that we're helping them. And then Street Roots, one for the environment, which is which is interesting. It's for environmental reporting. Okay. Um, you know that that is uh, warms warms my heart that a uh, wonderful newspaper and that journalism was was rewarded. Mm-hmm. Um, well, they gave a very compelling talk about how uh, the Oregonian is no longer reporting in a vital way about the environment, um, and they would be a leader in the state of Oregon in environmental reporting at a time when it's very much needed. Um, it was a wonderful connection to the environment through street routes that so many people know and love. And then two other organizations uh, in the Family and Human Services, Family Forward. What can you tell me about that organization and what was impressive about them? Um, Family Forward, um, I'll explain them. They, they're more of a they're an advocacy type of group that really wants to make sure that we've got regulations in place that support families. And the project you can talk about. Yeah, the bit. project is they're trying to lobby and get um, paid leave for mothers and fathers and um, um, to be part of, I guess, legislation. Because, you know, paid parental leave is limited within certain kinds of employees, employers. And the idea was if you had legislation that created a pool of money that families could tap into to get their parental leave um, covered while they were not working, you'd have a better community. You'd have families that could um, know that they could take care of their kids and not have to deal with, you know, huge problems financially. You know, I was I was looking for a theme with uh, the, the the awards, the grants that Ninety Nine Girlfriends gave out, and I'm I'm having no trouble finding one. It seems like a, two of them were really direct services for at risk youth, and then uh, with Street Roots and Family Forward, these are much more um, not bureaucratic's the wrong word, but much more systematic that you're looking at, and and that's it's really interesting that you had the same group of people that are voting for these awards but coming up with really different results. Mm -hmm. And that gets into the 1.0, 2.0, 3.0 that I was talking about, where you give your money and where you like to give your money, whether it's the direct service piece or all the way up to systems change, and really thinking thoroughly about how we're affecting different populations in the area. Yeah, this is such a great, um, the the, the grants that you're giving out are such a great insight into people, how they think about giving in this region. The final category, health and wellness, and that went to uh, Zanger Farms. Zanger Farms um, is a wonderful nonprofit 
um, farm that does, um, what do you call it, the food? CS, <laughs> the, my, is it the CSA? The CSA, yes. And their their project was they wanted they wanted to change, make health better and access to food for those people that have um, diabetes and um, other illnesses that are weight related um, have access to healthy food and education on how to um, cook the food and um, it's, it's really wonderful. And did, did you have a chance, uh, Brittany, did you have a chance to visit the farm and, and to get really the, the, feet, the boots on the ground idea? It was one of three of our site visits. Um, and you pull into this beautiful uh, farm that used to be a wetland that, and, and I believe a dairy prior. Um, and they have uh, brand new buildings and there were kids getting off school buses that were coming there to learn about gardening. Uh, it was really, um, it was really I mean, it's it's almost like going through a, a a a time warp or a portal because you're you're out on East Portland, yes. you know, and and which which has uh, been traditionally a food desert or very removed or industrial, and and you're like like you said, you turn in and it's you're transported into a farm. Yeah, absolutely. You didn't you can't you don't really know it's there until you pull up and walk through the gates and look over the hill and there's tons of acreage of things growing it was kind of we went in the fall so a lot of stuff was done but there were still kids there um, gathering things and then they have a new building that just finished that is their education building and they hold classes there and so kids come families come and the first year of their program where they had 25 families that were enrolled in the csa program and they um did some measurements to find out, you know, if their life, if their health changed over time, eating, you know, getting a CSA box once a week. And they were brought there to do education and learn about how to cook vegetables. What a great program. And and thank you, you three and, and your other 96 plus girlfriends <laughs> for all the great work you guys are doing and for really um, helping design how philanthropy can happen in Portland. Now that the first cycle of, of giving is done, um, I imagine that you guys are ramping up for the next cycle. How do nonprofits find you and how do how do they apply? So June 1st, we'll know how much money we have to give out and we'll be sending out announcements to as many nonprofits as we know of and ideally all our members will send it out to other nonprofits and there'll be a date where they need to send us back in their uh, letter of intent. What's their big bold idea that's gonna have an impact that they need $100,000 for? And how does, uh, how does a new girlfriend join? She can go to our website which is www.99girlfriends.com that's spelled out. Um, and she can join there or she can contact any one of us absolutely well thank you guys for for taking a, a what what was a kitchen conversation and and turning it into something really big and impactful and fun and, <laughs> and fun let's not forget that part of it it's been very fun yeah let's have one more song to wrap this up okay final song tower of power a little throwback Ain't nothing stopping us now because we are on a roll and we're taking it all the way. Let's take a listen. This is Phil Bussey. It's the Nonprofit Hour. I'm happy to be talking with Sam Fankuchen, who is the founder of Golden. Uh, it 
Sam, well, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna set you up. Why don't you tell me what Golding is? I, I sort of look at it as it's an app to organize and attract volunteers. Yeah, I think that's a great way to think about it at first. I mean, if you're looking for a volunteering app, Golden is now the number one app for volunteering on both iPhone and Android. Uh, it's the only app that's ever been able to help you discover and instantly sign up for volunteer opportunities as well as track them. But the idea for building an app like that came from a broader idea to focus on moments that all of us experience in our life when we just feel like we're in our right surroundings and everything around us is the way we would want it to be. And we're living the moments in our life we would choose to live. And that's what we call a golden moment. And our whole idea is that we can help all of us experience more of those kinds of moments by helping you discover what you're really interested in and then helping you put yourself in a place where you can do those things to improve the life of somebody else or become more exposed to social issues that affect all of us so that you become deeply interested in them. So we're kind of broadening the definition of what a volunteer opportunity should be and, and helping everybody become more easily involved and involved for the long term through more accessible volunteer opportunities. Yeah, let's 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 jump a little bit deeper into the app. Then I, I'm curious both from the user side and then from the uh, organization side. But let's let's start with how a user comes there. Is there like a a personality test that the user goes through to to figure out his or her interest or where they're going to best put their skills? Great question. I think a lot of folks before us have tried to develop taxonomies for the DNA of a volunteer and then help help direct those volunteers to the right places and what ends up happening for a volunteer in a situation like that is they feel like they're just becoming part of a process instead of acting on a desire to be helpful. And so our approach to it is to let technology handle that personalization. And it's something that you can really only do with a mobile app. And I'll, I'll explain why that is. But um, with Golden, you open the app. You log in. If you log in with Facebook, we can get some context from Facebook about the kind of things that you like or what your friends like. If you don't, we give you optional fields where you can tell us or you can just get started. And you open up the app and you see a very beautiful visual feed of the experiences that are around you when you're available. You can click into them, see what other people have said about them and sign up right away. Um, so it's very immersive. We kind of remove the process of paperwork and putting initial upfront thought into what you're looking to discover. We just show you things that we've already curated and we know are wonderful and compelling. And if you see one that speaks to you, great. If you want to start searching, great. If you want to affiliate with your school or your company or your religious institution or a club, because you think that that group does a good job of curating experiences that you'll like, great. You can do that and then see their curated opportunities within your feed. Um, also, the more you use the app, the more the app learns about what you like. So it can tell where you go, how frequently you go, who you go with, uh, how you rated it after you go, um, whether the interests that you've expressed in the app or on Facebook match up with what you've done. And so we're able to deliver a degree of personalization that you would see from something like Amazon um, in the context of volunteer experiences. So I, I, I just want to I want to unpack some of what you've been saying. I want to I want to go back. So I would log in through Facebook, and because I am a fan of uh, underdog sports movies, it's going to uh, use those likes and direct me towards uh, maybe organizations that work with underdogs. That's a, a great example. So Facebook had used to have what they called interests as a field that you could customize and, and write what you're interested in. Today, there is no such field. And instead, what Facebook organizes are things like, what events have you signed up for and gone to in the past? What groups are you a part of? What pages of entities or businesses or sports teams or whatever it is have you liked? And it organizes that information and relates it to concepts of things that define who you are. And we don't necessarily use that information to learn about who you are so that we can know. We just use it to influence how we rank what we show you in your feed of possible volunteer opportunities. 
you can override any of that stuff if you want to, but it's a nice way to start. It's almost as though um, somebody's already taken your measurements for an article of clothing and you just kind of step into it, you know? And, and, and so the other side of the equation then has to be the organizations. So how, what information are they giving to you? Are, are, are they uh, volunteering that information or, or are you going out and seeking that? How does, how does that work on that end of the equation? So today, if you were not to use Golden to volunteer, you would have to figure out where to go to find volunteer opportunities. One of the biggest challenges isn't just exposing the availability of volunteer opportunities. Um, it's finding volunteers who see themselves in a place and see themselves coming back to that place. What ends up happening for the nonprofit today, if you do not use Golden, is you spend a lot of time and effort trying to figure out how to find volunteers, get them to come to something. And it might not be a fit for them after you spent all the money finding them and training them and before they ever volunteer. And in fact, 55% of volunteers who go through training for a nonprofit never come back to volunteer. It's a huge sunk cost. And for most volunteer-driven organizations, it's the biggest cost. So in, in my master's thesis, we developed a taxonomy for classifying opportunities so that they could be clearly displayed to the right volunteers um, and the right volunteers could see themselves in those moments and, and want to keep coming back to them. We're looking for a good fit here, uh, not just to drive more volunteers, because we want to bring down the cost of hosting volunteers. So uh, our taxonomy, what you'll see for an organization when you're listing a volunteer opportunity is, first of all, we keep it very succinct. We understand that even if you're not using our app, you're out in the real world, about 55 or 50, that's a totally broad generalization. Let's just say half of people are looking at the internet on their phones these days. So they're making quick decisions because they've got different browser windows open or whatever the case may be. So we're truncating everything that people say to be right to the point and super honest. We use big imagery and those images are exactly of the opportunities at hand. They're not generic images of people holding hands. It's not a picture of a classroom. It's a picture of a real person in the real activity so that you can see what's being expected of you. And then we break out the text into a purpose field, a role field, and a vibe field. And again, this is derived from my master's research. The purpose is, why does the organization exist? And if you're spending time with them, what mission are you supporting? The role is when you're there, what activities are they having you do? So if you sign up for the American Red Cross, you may assume that you're going to be helping people give blood, but you may be sealing envelopes or you may be canvassing on the street or you may be developing social media content. It could be any number of different things. So it's fair that you communicate as the organization to the volunteer what you're going to be asking them to do when they're there. And the third is what we call the vibe. That's kind of fun-loving language to describe how it feels socially when you're there. And this is one of the most overlooked pieces. But if you've been around successful volunteer programs yourself, it's likely that you've noticed that the ones that keep people coming back have a strong culture. And even when the work is done, folks who you meet there want to hang out together, maybe grab lunch afterward or a drink afterward. And we want everybody to be able to find their own people and folks that they're comfortable with and they appreciate on every level, because that's what creates an enduring culture of, of civic engagement. So we kind of paint that picture in like one sentence each and then uh, also display when and where the opportunity is. And then you can sign up and that's it. Sam Van Kuchen is the founder of Golden. We are speaking by Skype, which is perhaps why it sounds a little bit different. Uh, we're talking about an app, and Sam, can I can I say it, it, it's kind of it sounds like a dating app for uh, nonprofits? Is that all right to say? Sure, you can say anything you want. Uh, there are elements <laughs> I, and, that are inspired by that. Yeah, yeah, and 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 some of that is, I mean, like dating apps, is uh, you're, some people are out there looking for uh, one offs. And other people are out there looking for a long-term commitment. I, I, are you finding the same with your users that they're coming in there? Uh, some people just want to go in and they want to volunteer for a weekend here with one organization and hop to somewhere else. And other people are actually looking for uh, a six-month, one-year commitment to a relation to to an organization. Absolutely. And I think sometimes what people express, or if you interview them at first and ask them what they're looking for, it might always, it might not always reflect the pattern of usage that they display. 
So what we see very commonly and what we've tried to do is broaden what volunteering means so that more people uh, feel compelled to check it out and go. Um, you know, as we all know, historical rates for volunteering in the United States nationally are something like 24 or 25% over the last few years, people volunteering at least once a year. In certain markets, like in Minneapolis or in Salt Lake City, they see well over 70%, sometimes closer to 90% um, of their populations volunteering every year versus our home city of LA has something like a 12 to 14% rate of volunteering. We think that it should be closer to 100% if you help everybody discover things that are an extension of, of the ways they know they already like to spend their time. As a volunteer host or a nonprofit, you're not just competing against other nonprofits or other activities in the social sector that people might be doing to spend their time. You're competing against everything that hits them in their social media feeds, every direction people in their family are pulling them to go, every other hobby they're thinking about doing. And what you're offering them at first has to be compelling in the way that something else might be compelling. Um, so we try and position every opportunity that comes through Golden in a way that authentically speaks to what makes each organization so wonderful so that a natural voice will resonate with the right audiences and then we can attract them. We have a layer of opportunities that we know are going to be attractive to most people. It's like if you're going to open a social media app and see people who you would imagine a general population would register as being attractive uh, members of the community. We have stuff like teaching kayaking to uh, wounded soldiers with PTSD or rehabilitating wild animal pups before they get released or um, preparing oat cuisine with prisoners to train them for uh, a career after prison um, or like former you know, ex-cons. Things that would be amazing ways to spend your time no matter what. And we find that because we've done a stellar job of uncovering opportunities like that, that most people never knew about. We attract a lot of people to the app, but then the ones that are most engaging tend to be programs that are well-established, well-operated, have good follow-up practices run by institutional nonprofits that have been around for a while. Or uh, new, new folks are starting their whole nonprofits using Golden. It's like step one, once you have a mission and vision, you list an opportunity for people to be involved on Golden. And we've seen lots of people build communities from a couple of people up to dozens or more than dozens of, of folks who volunteer together just using Golden to Bootstrap. Yeah, I, I think that you, you address uh, what could be a concern, that, that volunteering for a nonprofit organization can be a very personal uh, choice. Uh, in terms of who you who you're volunteering from, you know, and I think that that uh, that may have been a, a hurdle for people to get over is is that that should be a very much in the real world choice. Uh, have you experienced that people have any hesitation to use technology to to get that to, to get to that decision? Yes and no. I mean, we start with amazing content. It's like saying you and I are used to subscribing to. A regular TV package, and then all of a sudden HBO comes along or Netflix comes along and they have original series or they have a fresh approach to the length of time you can spend doing something. And that makes you interested in trying it. We've done so much work to make volunteer opportunities understandable and reliable um, for everybody, not, you know, not just volunteers, for hosts. You know, as a host, you know exactly who the person is who's coming. If they don't show up and they say they show up, then we treat that person differently. If you want a background check, um, either as a volunteer on yourself where you're a host and it's required or, or you want it for your volunteer, you can run it instantly through Golden. And Golden will monitor that person to make sure they're safe from that point forward. So it's a huge advantage if you're a volunteer. Today, if you were to go volunteer someplace that requires background check and you don't have it done, they'll turn you around, send you two hours or, you know, two towns away to go get an appointment to get a live scan, get your fingerprints taken. Uh, it's an invasive process with a lot of paperwork that costs 60 or $70. And, you know, you go and you give those results back to somebody else. The information may not be stored securely. And then the next time you want to go to a different place, you have to repeat the process. And I don't think any of us feel like we should be going to get our personal information and sharing it that way anymore, it should be much more protected. So we've introduced 
the industry is leading instant background check, comprehensive background check uh, for any volunteer to do on themselves and then take wherever they want to go just to show their partners that they're safe. So we're kind of encouraging a level of intimacy and responsibility that hasn't been around before, but in a way that's empowering for all of our users. Just like with Airbnb um, or before Airbnb, there was a website called Couchsurfing where you could register to, to go stay on somebody's couch if you were a traveler. And those pioneers in the internet space had to define what the standards were for trust. And we've seen now that those systems will let people do things like ride in a stranger's car, and they're safer than taxis on average, um, if you look at the, uh, the grandest scale. So we're thrilled to live in a world like that, because now all of us can find these little nooks and crannies that speak directly to us instead of just a generic experience package for the mass market. This is a nonprofit hour on X-Ray FM. We are talking to Sam Van Kuchen, who is the founder of Golden, which is a uh, advanced app that helps organize volunteers and matches volunteers to nonprofit opportunities. So you guys have reached one year old, which obviously means you have some viability. I, I'm curious um, if you can talk a little bit about how does Golden stay financially afloat? I mean, because you guys are uh, not necessarily you're not selling a product. Uh, you're 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 making a connection. Uh, can you talk a little bit about your yeah, finances? For sure. And, and the first thing I'll say is that you can use Golden and the core functionality of Golden for free forever. Doesn't matter who you are. You're a volunteer. You want to volunteer? It's free. If you're a nonprofit, you want to host volunteers? It's free. Um, we believe in the beauty of what's called now a platform business model which you know, tech people will think of as either a marketplace like Airbnb where you can find um, homes and stay in them or like a developer platform like Android where you can build a bunch of infrastructure. And we kind of use pieces of both of those business models. So platforms don't make money um, by investing in a product and then selling that product with the margin, which is the way pretty much every other linear business makes money. They make money by exchanging value and, and uh, profiting from from that exchange on the platform. So, in other words, by having lots of people volunteering and understanding how how volunteers think about volunteering, how nonprofits think about listing opportunities and getting volunteers, and capturing the value that they produce through labor and maybe also additional financial contributions. By looking at cohorts of people like employees at a company or students at a school or residents of a city, we can start to understand the dynamics of how all of us address social issues better. And for those of us with the capacity to help change the way we address outstanding social issues, um, we can give them data that they would never have access to any other way. So a nonprofit can see who like where people are coming from that look at their opportunities, where they go to school or work, uh, what people are searching for, how far they're willing to travel, what percentage of the people who look at a listing actually come to volunteer. Uh, for a volunteer who comes, what's the value of time that they contribute on average? How many people do they bring with them? And it's not necessarily looking at the individual level, but it's a health check for an organization to say, are we offering the right opportunities at the right times of day on the right days of the week in the right places? Are we having frequent enough or too frequent instances of opportunities? Are we asking for people to give in a way that makes sense? Are we producing results for the things that we're all doing together? Or for a school, you know, it, having data about where your students have gone and what they've found interesting allows schools that require service or at least encourage it to change their position from, hey, did you go? And can you give me a piece of paper that says you went so I can call somebody and see if they remember you? To tell me what's interesting to you and how have you developed over the last year and what changed your mind about something and what opportunities do we have you and me to fix something or the school to fix something? Um, what should our priorities be as a citizen? And those are much more important questions to ask that you can only answer effectively if you have hard data that wasn't possible before Golden, frankly. Um, so we sell that data in the form of licenses back in the appropriate ways to the parties who would have owned that data anyway. Um, 
And if you want it, you can turn that service on. If you don't want it, you can turn it off. The other thing is, since we believe looking at these trends about your organization, whether it's a nonprofit or company or city government or a foundation, um, it should be a central operation of your of your everyday work. Uh, so if you're in Golden and, and you can see trends and you have opportunities for growth or to make things more efficient, we may also offer you discounted services through providers who we believe are best of breed. So today, you know, if, if you need background checks, we can give you a better background check for a quarter of the cost than you could get on your own. Or if you want to incorporate your nonprofit or get general liability insurance or set up a bank account, process donations, run campaigns for events, uh, you know, get t-shirts made, whatever it is, we can negotiate better prices and better levels of service for you than you could do on your own, save you a lot of time and just allow you to turn that service on or off through your dashboard if you want it. And that allows all of us to spend more time focusing on whatever our objectives and missions are. And we think that bringing great operators from all sides of the social sector together to have a place to do business um, makes the space a lot more organized and effective. So that's kind of where we make our money. I, it, it sounds like a very sophisticated jump forward for nonprofits. I, I, I want to talk, a, just uh, round out our conversation here. You guys have a Golden, has a presence in the Portland area, correct? We do. How's, how's it going? What, what insights uh, can you share about what you have seen about the Portland market for nonprofits and volunteers? And uh, just how are things going in Portland compared to other cities? Uh, for sure. So what, what I would say anyone in the Portland area or any other area listening to this, for that matter, you can go to dashboard.goldenvolunteer.com uh, and you can register right there for free and list opportunities for free. We would love to have even more opportunities in Portland um, and, and everywhere else for that matter. Um, when we first started, we had an approach of launching city by city, which is how Uber started and how the food delivery app started. And because you need to have a density of supply and demand or volunteers and opportunities. And so we, we started going city by city. Um, but quickly we saw that we had volunteers coming from a lot of different places where we didn't have opportunities yet, because if an app's in the store, anybody can download it. One of the interesting things about Portland is it was one of the first cities where we saw both opportunities and volunteers start to populate themselves without us doing any kind of outreach, which is really interesting. I think the way most, most of us used to volunteer was someone from our religious institution or school or a family friend would just ask us to come with them to go volunteer. And it's usually through big organizations um, with established programs like um, food banks or uh, giving blood or um, homeless shelters and things like that. And uh, what we saw in Portland were grassroots organizations just posting really unusual, original opportunities and volunteers who might or might not be part of a big company or in school finding their way to the app and kind of building like a micro community there. Um, really cool. And we've started to build relationships with all kinds of different organizations in Portland. What I would say is it's a nascent market. There might not be as many opportunities as in some other cities. Um, and again, when you open the app, you may see opportunities or you may not, depending on when the schedule of the next upcoming ones are, when you're free, who's listed what. But you should see a pretty good selection right now. And... Um, you know, we're, we're, like I said, building relationships with bigger organizations like Habitat and um, Ronald McDonald House Charities and stuff like that who are, who are beginning to list things up there. And then we also have um, small, original kind of hometown stuff. Um, so it's, it's, Portland has been really special for us in that way. Uh, well, we, of course, we like to hear that. Uh, Sam, Van Sam Van Kuchen is the founder for Golden. Uh, Sam, thanks for taking the time to talk with us, and thank you for developing this app. It's a, it's a really, it's a big leap forward for uh, the volunteer connection and experience uh, for nonprofits. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much.
that's all for this week's Nonprofit Hour. We would like to thank our guests, Deborah Edward, Jinx Faulkner, and Brittany Daggett from 99 Girlfriends, as well as Sam Van Kuchen, the founder of Golden. This show was brought to you with support from Nonprofit Professionals Now, a boutique search service serving Portland's nonprofits. Wholly owned by a nonprofit, NPN specializes in finding nonprofit executive directors and development directors. We also receive support from Chinookbook, whose mobile app rewards your sustainable lifestyle choices with sweet savings at hundreds of neighborhood businesses near you. Use it for tonight's dinner or your next adventure. Download the app free at chinookbook.com. The Nonprofit Hour is a production of the Media Institute for Social Change and KXRY Radio, xray.fm. Our host is Phil Bussey, and our producer and editor is Henry Leisha. You can follow us on Facebook or via our Twitter handle, at Nonprofit Hour. Archives of past shows can be found on our SoundCloud page. Questions, comments, or ideas about the show can be sent to nph at mediamakingchange.org. Thanks for tuning in to the Nonprofit Hour on KXRY Radio, xray.fm. Join us on Monday mornings at 6 a.m. and Tuesday afternoons at 1. Have a great week.